This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined on the line right now by David Moore. David, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Kevin. As you know, normally I'm there, but I guess Kevin just gets to, like, go around and do it from gas stations. So I thought I would I would probably start, like, a convenience store tour or something, or maybe a grocery store tour. Well, maybe we, we can get some sponsors that way. Well, we just had Chuck oh, Carlton on, uh, he, and we had a little trouble getting Chuck back and forth, but he was driving between uh, Austin and College Station, and... Uh, we kind of, you know, there's a. It, you may not be aware that there's some bad cell spots uh, along that <laughs> along that drive. As hard as that may be to believe that you couldn't get good cell reception in Bastrop, uh, but that's uh, yeah, yeah. How in the world could that be? Who, yeah. who would have thunk that? Yeah, no kidding. We need to work those things out. That's I'm I'm, I'm bringing this up uh, when uh, when Greg Abbott's running for re-election. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna demand that we get better cell reception in these places. Cell coverage. Yeah. yeah. I think there are probably maybe a few other things that are a little higher on the list. But Bigger I, I issues? Yeah, probably so. <laughs> probably so. All right, well, let's go to the some some news uh, that's been out this morning. We saw something on Bleacher Report reporting that Xavier Woods, the Cowboys' free safety, would be out four to six weeks. So you're hearing that it's not quite that severe. No, uh, and what we have on the Dallas Morning News site is that uh, he will miss this. He has a high ankle sprain, but uh, – you know, it, it this sounds a little silly, but it depends on where that brain occurs in the high ankle to, to determine the severity of it. Uh, but uh, he, Xavier Woods will miss this week's game against Miami. But uh, I've been told by, by several people that, that they're treating this as week-to-week as week at this point, and there is no indication at the moment that Woods will miss a significant portion of the season. Okay. So... But I, you know, certainly count him out against Miami, and I think there's there's his availability for New Orleans the week after that. I would imagine would be in doubt, um, but I, I don't think you can go any farther than that right now, from what I've been told, as far as a, a timetable for how long he'll be out. So the Steelers re- acquired Minka Fitzpatrick from the Dolphins. He jumped ship before the. Uh, I guess that is that deal official now. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh actually sent out a release during the uh, Monday night game last night, announcing the uh, the deal. How about that? So th- they gave up a first round draft pick, as I understand it, right? For to get a first round pick, that's what Minka was out of Alabama last year. Uh, were the mm-hmm. Cowboys? Uh, I know that the, the Cowboys said that they were in discussions with Miami. They wouldn't talk about personnel. Is it? Are you under the impression that they actually had any conversation about Fitzpatrick? They had a conversation, but Dallas had no intentions of giving up a, a first-round pick for a second consecutive year, 
Uh, remember, they just gave up their first-round pick for Amari Cooper this year. Right. And uh, safety is a position they do not value as greatly as wide receiver. So it would have to be a, uh, a significant uh, safety for them to kind of move off their positional bias uh, against that position to offer a number one. Uh, they like Minka Fitzpatrick a lot. Uh, they didn't consider him that level of a player and so after uh, they were informed by Miami that the Dolphins were adamant that they needed a one in return, uh, the, the discussions they had ended. So they were never, after their initial discussion last Thursday, I believe the Cowboys had with the Dolphins, really from that point forward, uh, nothing was going to happen unless uh, Miami was unable to get a one. Then I think Dallas would have been back in and would have been interested in, in talking and trying to work some scenarios for him. But... Uh, this never proceeded beyond just the due diligence stage. So let's talk about another guy who's demanding out. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is demanding out uh, of Jacksonville, from, uh, from what we understand. Jalen's a, a different cat, uh, but a, a really good player. Would the Cowboys be interested in something like that and maybe moving Byron Jones back to safety? Well, I, I would say that uh, Jalen Ramsey is the sort of player that you would give up uh, a one for strictly from a talent standpoint. But remember, this is a guy that showed up to training camp in a Brinks truck. You got a problem with uh, that, David? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. I find it amusing, but I think a Dallas team <laughs> that the Brinks truck must first stop. It's already stopped at Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> the Brinks truck will next stop at Dak Prescott's door and then Amari Cooper's door I don't know how much longer the Cowboys can keep backing up the Brinks truck to sign players. So I, I think the, the Brinks truck imagery uh, is very clear. And, again, he's, he's like Elliot. You know, now, unlike Elliot, uh, they came out in the same draft. Unlike Elliot, he didn't hold out. Um, you know, he, he reported and he's played this year. But it's very clear if he doesn't get the contract he wants, he's not going to be in training camp this next year. Uh, so – one, do you want do you want that sort of return, that short return on a player that you don't really know, fitting him into the culture? And two, now, I money and, and circumstances have a have a way of changing many words through the years. But if you'll remember, he did an interview, I believe, about a year or so ago, that said he was convinced everybody in. Um, the Cowboys organization wanted to take him over Ezekiel Elliott, but Jerry Jones bigfooted it and said, no, let's go Elliott. I'd rather have an offensive player. And he said he would never play for this franchise as long as there was a Jones in it. So, <laughs> Well, that kind of pretty much rules it out, doesn't it? <laughs> well, putting those two together. Now, now, I will say, based on the email you and I get from many fans, there will probably be – at least a significant portion of the fan base that would prefer Jalen Ramsey over Jerry Jones. But <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I don't, I don't think we're going to see that uh, exchange occur. So no, I really look, he, he's a very talented guy. Uh, one of the best in the league is his position, uh, but he wants a, 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 he does want a salary that's going to set the market at his position. And, and I just don't believe that uh, Dallas where they are now, is in a position to do that. 
Yeah, th- you could certainly compare this to when, uh, you know, if they were interested in, if the Cowboys were interested in Jalen Ramsey, to when uh, when Jerry went out and got Deion Sanders. Because certainly Deion was, as, uh, was just as flamboyant and just as, uh, you know, irritable to some as Jalen Ramsey is. And, uh, and, and, of course, we know what happened with that. The guy was, was tremendous for the Cowboys and helped him win a Super Bowl. Uh, so I, I think that from that standpoint that Jerry wouldn't have any qualms about that, but I think you're exactly right. I think the money is the issue for Jerry now. I think the fact that they are trying to pay their own guys and there are just so many guys you can pay. I mean, it's a good question about whether they'll be able to pay Byron Jones. I'm not putting Byron Jones in Jalen Ramsey's category, but I think I like him better than most people do. I like the, I like the way he played last week, uh, and I think he showed uh, uh, last week what he can do, uh, the very first play of the game, right out of the box, they you know they go to his man and in in the Washington, and he uh, you know breaks up the the pass. Uh, he's the kind of guy who really blankets coverage, uh, and uh, I think that especially when you have as much trouble as the Cowboys seem to have at safety and are going to continue to have uh, if Xavier Woods is out for any uh, length of time, then it's really important for Byron Jones to play well. Yeah, and, you know, they have some flexibility out there. Let's say that, that Woods does miss, you know, goes in and misses the New Orleans game as well, and, and they feel a little bit compromised at safety. Although I, I think they, uh, again, for, for short term, and, and again, how they weight the position, uh, you know, Darian Thompson, because it will, will go in there for Xavier Woods this week, because where else would you turn except to a former uh, Boise State player yeah. plug into this defense? Right. So. Uh, you know, Thompson will go in there. And, and then, uh, you know, Donovan Wilson, who had an outstanding training camp, uh, the, the A&M safety was just, he, I mean, if you want to talk about, uh, it was Tony Pollard on the offensive side of the ball as far as the newcomer where he went, wow, this guy, you know, looks like he's got something. He can help him. That guy was clearly Donovan Wilson on the defensive side of the ball. Um, he was just outstanding in camp and was always around the ball. And not just in the preseason games. He, he, was, he was around the ball just about every day in practice out in Oxnard. So it, this is going to give him an opportunity to play some. And, and it'll be interesting to, to see. Um, you know, look, Xavier Woods was a sixth-round pick. Jeff Heath, their other starting safety, wasn't even drafted out of college. Uh, Donovan Wilson's a sixth-round pick. They've been, you know, sixth-round picks or, or later have uh, carved a, a productive niche for themselves in this Cowboys defense through the years. And, and Donovan Wilson, uh, this could give him an opportunity to, to get some more snaps and, and fit in that as well. Is he healthy? But, but the other thing I was going to say, yeah, you know, he, he came back and he played special teams last week. He, he had an ankle sprain, too, that kept him out uh, of the opener. Uh, and, you know, that's another example. My, my indication works, his was a high ankle sprain, too, and he really missed one game. Or, or I guess where it came in the preseason, it would have been like a you know a week and a half, two weeks sort of thing. So uh, depending on where that sprain is with Xavier Woods, I, I think you're mis- looking at him just missing one or two games. We'll see. How, he'll definitely miss one. We'll see how it plays out. You know, the other thing you you mentioned Byron Jones. If there is a situation, uh, I, I don't think you're going to have the situation against Miami. But let's say Woods doesn't play the next week, and and you go into um, New Orleans, and while I understand it's Bridgewater instead of uh, Drew Brees, that is an explosive offense. And, and if you have some issues there or you feel um, not quite comfortable with what you have at safety 
are too inexperienced at safety, you can always move Byron Jones back in certain formations and then just go with Brown and Jordan Lewis uh, on your corners in addition to Awuzia underneath. So I, I think, uh, you know, Jones, Byron Jones, while being a very good corner, and it's clear that's his position with more of an upside, um, he, he also played safety in this defense for a while and, and was above average at it. So that's another option you can have to address this on a short-term perspective. All right, so we talked about a couple of guys, Minka Fitzpatrick, who wanted out of Miami, and Jalen Ramsey, who wants out of Jacksonville. What about a guy with the Cowboys who wants out, Taco Charlton? Well, here's the thing I thought about this a little bit today. It's, uh, this shows you how well things are going for the Cowboys, that a former first-round pick is tweeting free me, and it's really treated as an amusement more than any sort of significant uh, impact on the season. And, and that's what this is. You know, if this, was, if this was Ezekiel Elliott still in Cabo having his uh, Wagyu beef and eel sauce, um, you know, sushi right. after working out and he still wasn't with the team, that would be significant. The Cowboys addressed that issue going into the season. And now all you have is a former first-round pick who has been inactive the first two games saying, you know, free me. And uh, uh, it's just not – clearly I, there will be a separation at some point. Um, it, it, could, it could come this week because Robert Quinn comes back in the mix. And you could say, well, um, look, we need to, we need to go ahead and, and recompose our roster here. We can't carry 11 healthy defensive linemen. Uh, let's just go – if we can't get a, a conditional late-round draft pick for Taco Charlton right now, let's just go ahead and cut him. And I think that's what you're seeing. I think teams are sitting out there going, well, yeah, we kind of like him. He might help our defensive line. It's too early to give up on the guy. He flashes enough where you can see something, especially for other teams that aren't don't have the depth that Dallas does in the defensive line. But I think they're also saying, well, you know what? If the longer this goes on, the more likely it is they'll just release him by the numbers. So we like him, but do we like him well enough to give up a conditional sixth round pick? I, I would think you would if you were some defensive line, but but no one has done that to this point. So, and uh, the Cowboys aren't really, their hand's not forced yet because Antoine Woods uh, is likely to miss this game, isn't he? Yeah, but you have Covington and, and uh, that they got from Houston, free agent from Houston in the offseason, who's played very, very well. They like him a lot. And actually, you know, it, it's unlikely Woods will play this week. They haven't said anything yet, but I, I would find it highly unlikely. Uh, frankly, I would find it unlikely that any player – with an injury that puts them on the bubble to whether or not they would play this week, I question why you would you would bring them back and play them against Miami. Right. You know, give them the extra week of rest. It's early in the season. You don't want this something. You don't want this to be something that's going to linger all season. Uh, I think this is the the classic week to give guys early in the season that are beat up or something that well, you know what, he could play this week, but could really be better suited by taking two weeks here. Uh, why wouldn't you do that here? And especially in the defensive line where you have depth. And, and what I'm saying with, you know, with Antoine Woods, 
I, I doubt that he would play this weekend, but you'll have Covington start. Now, what does that do? That means that your rookie second-round pick, Tristan Hill, who has been inactive the first two games, you can activate him and get him into the Miami game and actually get him some work and see how he looks. So I, I, don't, I think this is a game where uh, I, I would see Tristan Woods being active for this game. If Taco Charlton remains on the roster uh, for the Miami game, I doubt that he'll be on the active roster for that game. I think he will probably be inactive for the third straight week. Well, David, I'm going to tell you why the Cowboys need to be playing these guys. It's because they got 21 points to cover in this game. So, <laughs> no kidding. 21 points. That's unbelievable. And are you sure it's not going to go up a little bit more? <laughs> I'm, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if this got to 22, 22 and a half. That's unbelievable. I mean, you know, now it's just all about the. But again, okay, now, now let's put this in some sort of perspective. Um, you know, Dallas finished last season by winning seven of its last eight regular season games. Those seven wins were by a total of 36 points. Right, right. <laughs> a total. Um, you know, so, and in fact, if you want to look at it, their last six wins last year, if you count the playoff win, you know, Dallas won the first two games this year by 28 points. Those 28 points represented their final six wins last year, counting the uh, the playoff win over Seattle. So this isn't a team that wins, you know, by 20-plus points a game a lot. In fact, I went and looked it up during – didn't want to go all the way back. I was too lazy to do that, Kevin. But uh, <laughs> I, I did go through the Jason Garrett tenure, which is, I think, a significant sample size since he took over midway through the 2010 season. So let's say this decade, by and large. Uh, there have been 138 games, regular season games, with Jason Garrett as the head coach. Out of those 138 games, how many games have they won by 20 or more points? I'm going to say four. A little more than that, 11. 11. 11 out of 138. That's that's a that's a that's still talking about. Yeah, you're talking about what, 6.5% or something like that in that range. Right. Yeah. It doesn't happen often. And and think about these are teams. I mean, that's, uh, again, that that speaks to some. That's why I think fans are so excited by what they've seen from these first two games because, you know, even in recent years here, I, I think Dallas, by and large, has done a good job of winning the games they were expected to win under Jason Garrett, especially these last four or five years when they've won the division three times. Right. I think they've done a good job of winning the games they should win and people expected them to win. But how many of those wins were easy? How many of those wins were 10, 15, 20 points? Um, it, you just didn't see it very often. You know, more, more often than not, it's 27-21 or... Right. Or you know, nineteen to fourteen. It's those sort of games. So they were beating the teams you they should beat. But I think a lot of times when you looked up and you'd look up in the fourth quarter of these games and you'd go, okay, Dallas is statistically dominating this game on both sides of the ball. Why are they only up by five points? And I think some of that spoke to their conservative approach, uh, especially in their offensive play calling and, and how they went about it. 
And that's why you get a sense that, that with the change with Kellen Moore and how they've approached these first two games, it may be a little bit different this year. It may be, look, let's just, let's just keep pouring it on offensively. And then, you know, it, not everything has to be so dang hard. You know, not every fourth quarter has to be a grind. It's not like you're, you know, Jason Garrett so often makes it sound like, you know, every every game is like you're just putting yourself in a dentist chair and having a root canal. <laughs> and 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 I don't know that ev- I don't know that every moment of every game has to be like that. Uh, that's not to say that these first two wins were easy, but they didn't take the emotional and physical toll on this team late in the games that they would have if it would have gone down to the final possession. Well, let me ask so, you about uh, that I think, because uh, that's the sure. thing that I've noticed uh, this year. I'm wondering if, you know, we, we've talked about this before about, okay, Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator now and, and, and everybody was excited about the possibility. Well, I don't know if they were excited about the possibility. They were wondering about the possibility. Now they've seen it and now everybody's on board. You don't hear anybody saying, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they've made that little kid, you know, the offensive coordinator. Now he just looks like a boy genius. Uh, yeah, which, so. is, which is all you heard in the off season, by the way. Go oh. back and, and see, oh, see what was written and said from January up, really through OTAs about what in the world are they doing? Oh, absolutely! You know? Now everybody loves the guy. Uh, of course, yeah. and, and that always goes back to the thing. You know, you 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 see somebody else come up with when, when Sean McVay before he got to the Redskins and was doing what he was doing there. What did anybody know about him? Right? Uh, exactly. And, and, and so, you know, no one knows anything about a guy until you give him a shot. And so I think there were some people who said that maybe he didn't deserve that shot, but it sure looks like it to me now. But at any rate, uh, uh, one of the things that I'm wondering about uh, in the limited exposure I've had to, to uh, Jason Garrett so far this year is that uh, you, you, you and I talked, have talked about how, well, this is still going to be Jason Garrett's office no matter what. You know, it's not going to be a radical departure, just – Things will be in different parts of games. They're going to use uh, the no huddle in different parts of the of the game now, and they're and it's just going to be a sequencing more than anything else. But the thing that I I was struck by uh, is that I get the impression that maybe Jason Garrett gets it. What you were just talking about a minute ago is that you know it doesn't have to be this hard. We've got a lot of weapons here. We're going to spread the ball around. We're going to look at a lot of different people here, uh, and and we're gonna we're gonna be a different team from what we've been in the past. Yeah, I think he's he's always wanted that and said he's wanted it. You know, he's always wanted a Democratic offense. He's always wanted to spread the ball around to as many people as possible. He he recognizes that if you have that one key person that, that defenses have to focus on, it makes it better for everyone that comes after that guy in the talent pecking order to get their spots. You know, he's not saying he doesn't want talent, but he's saying even when he has talent – he wants to be able to spread it around and you don't become too uh, Elliot dimensional or too Cooper dimensional. Um, there will be games where that will happen, but, but you know, you don't want that to be the norm. So this always fits the, the, the democratic model that he's wanted for his offense. But I think a difference this year is that, um, you know, we talk about the versatility of these players. You know, in the past, people would always say, well, look, um, you know, Des Bryant goes large stretches of the game without getting the ball. Why don't you move him around? Well, they didn't move him around because he could only play the X. Uh, he couldn't play the Y. He couldn't play the slot. 
So now suddenly your best player is locked into one position and everyone else has to rotate those other two positions. Now a guy with Amari Cooper, he can play any spot. You know, he's, he's outstanding out of the slot as well. Uh, he can move over and play the wide receiver. So you can move these guys around and, and interchange it. You can dictate the matches, matchups more. You know, defenses before knew, you know, what you were going to run with either Murray or Elliott, DeMarco Murray or Elliott out of the backfield, and where Dez was. And, and so you had two fixed points on the offense that you could take away. Now, you still have to take those away with, with Elliott and Cooper, but this offense shows that not only are we willing to move the ball around, but when we do, these guys are responding with plays. And another thing here is, and I don't think anyone's really spoken much about this yet, but you know, Jason Witten's return, before when Jason Witten was here, he never came off the field. Now, now he's on the field about, what, 60 to 70% of the snaps, which you can say, well, that's still most of them, but it is, but you also have some latitude there you didn't before uh, that you can do with, with Blake Jarwin and, and get your backup receiver. And, and I think you've seen early this year that Blake Jarwin is a, is a really nice weapon. Uh, he's a luxury in a lot of ways, but he's a weapon that – uh, Dak Prescott looked for, and he's made a couple of big plays in these first two games. So um, I, think, I think all of that together, the versatility of these guys being able to move around and do different spots, and the fact now that Witten is not on the field every single snap, uh, I, I think it's giving defenses new looks and, and it's making it easier to move the ball around. Now, all of that is predicated on the fact that I think Dak Prescott is just seeing the game quicker now and is, make, is more decisive in his decision-making. Uh, and you can't eliminate that element from it. But it's, uh, it, it's taken a while, but this offense has gotten to where I think uh, Jason, Jason Garrett wanted it to be and was, was trying to get it to evolve to become. Yeah, so uh, I want to. All right, so we we talked about the offense. I want to go back to the defense, though, because I was uh, I was just kind of going with the flow here for a minute. But I want to go back to something about you. You brought up Tristan Hill, the Cowboys' second round draft pick this year, um, and and uh, and Taco Charlton. So so Tristan has been uh, he was not activated for either of the first two games. Um, do you do you project that he will be activated this week? And tell me the difference in mindset and in what the Cowboys think of him between Tristan Hill and Taco Charlton? Well, Tristan Hill is, uh, I I would say, discouraged that he hasn't been able to start these first two games. But he hasn't, from what I've been told, it it hasn't impacted his approach, at least last week. We don't know about this week yet, so we can't speak to that. But um, he was disappointed uh, not to be active for his first game against the Giants. But the people I talked to said that he was uh, um, he responded the way they wanted him to respond in practice. There was no pouting. There was no moping. There was, okay, uh, I've just got to work to get better so I can be out there. And they, they thought his approach to not being active for that first game was very positive. Uh, with Taco Charlton, it's, it's the same thing they got into last year when they started making him inactive at games. Um, there's a – whether it's an, an insecure – it's tough to say whether with Taco it's, it's a case of insecurity 
or a sense of entitlement. They they almost kind of connect a, a little bit with him, but but there there he exudes a sense of, well, you guys don't know what you're doing. Why why would you do this to me? And then rather than respond on the practice field and show why they made a mistake in keeping him off the active roster. Uh, he pouts or accepts it or, or kind of takes the, well, you guys aren't going to use me anyway, sort of attitude. And his, his, his body language and, and uh, his, the way he doesn't respond to challenges after uh, being inactive for games that started last year are, are red flags as far as the Cowboys are concerned. Yeah, I'm just interested in that because, you know, uh, these are high picks. You know, Taco was a was a one. He's at the bottom of the first round. He was practically a second-round pick. And, and uh, Tristan Hill's a second-round pick. Uh, you know, Will McClay has done a tremendous job rebuilding this Cowboys roster. I mean, he is he is the unsung – I don't know if he's still unsung or not, but if that's accurate to say that. But he's the unsung hero of this Cowboys organization and, and the ability that he has shown to – uh, at first he was hitting on you know the high picks and then he was uh, coming through with with guys later in the draft obviously that was the case with with Dak Prescott in the fourth round and, all, and other players as well uh, but it would be a little tough uh, if uh, if all they end up doing with Taco Charlton is cutting him to cut a first round pick I'm trying to think of the last time the Cowboys did that was that probably with uh Oh, the, the linebacker from Ohio State, whose name uh, eludes me. At well, the Bobby Carpenter, but he played. He played more. You know, he, he played more games. He was still around for three or four seasons. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, this would be early in your third season to, to let a guy go. You, you really have to go back to, to find a, a first round pick that. Uh, and look, I I think I'm up operating under the assumption, I think everyone is, that, that Taco Charlton is not going to be around here much longer. In fact, uh, you know, we'll, we'll check by the end of this podcast. He may not even be around by the end of this podcast. <laughs> but um, he, he's going to be somewhere else sooner rather than later. And I think certainly before the season is done. And you have to go way back to, like, you know, the 80s with, like, a, a Kevin Brooks or somebody like that. Uh, a first-round pick that, that didn't stay around too long. You know, even even the ones you point to in recent years that that uh, that you would call or, or put in the bus category, like a Shante Carver or something, they were around longer and played more than what Toko Charlton has done to this point. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it would be, uh, you know, I mean, I, the quickest, but this is a this is a different situation. The uh, uh, Cannon, uh, Billy yeah. Cannon, the linebacker. Yeah. yeah, but he was, you know, that was an injury settlement, and he was waived, you know, I think eight games, six to eight games into his rookie season, and then later filed a suit against the Cowboys saying that um, uh, an injury suit against them, a, a civil claim. So uh, that was really the last first-round pick that, that would have, played less than, than what it appears Taco Charlton will play for this team. So you have to go way, way back. Yeah, and that is going back. So some dark days, too, with the Cowboys and some of those drafts. I was, and you know, As a matter of fact, I was looking up something just the other day, and I was not looking up uh, Billy Cannon Jr. I actually came across Billy Cannon Sr., who was a very interesting character, you know, uh, played for LSU yeah. and then uh, became a dentist and then went to prison because of he was counterfeiting money. He was part of that. And 
he was going out into the backyard and digging up a, a cooler that was full of uh, fake money, uh, paying off some gambling debts with it. A very interesting character. A lot better player than his son was, as a matter of fact. But anyway, that's that's a little uh, just a side trip there. So a side uh, trip, a side uh, road. Yeah. So so people, you know, uh, you know, I know what fans are going to say about Taco Charlton at the end of that round, uh, the first round. They they you know, there was a, a conversations about whether they should take T.J. Watt, uh, J.J. Watt's little brother. And uh, and of course, he went to the Steelers and he's been a very good player for the Steelers. But of course, he's not a, a four, three defensive end. He's a three, four linebacker, uh, a, a different animal. Uh, I, I'm I'm saying that T.J. Watt would not have uh, been the right fit uh, for the Cowboys. W- would you say that? He would not have been a right fit from a positional standpoint. But if you get a player with the right attitude, with talent, can you find a spot for him? Yeah. Now you now you don't know if you would have been able to do that with Watt. Uh, but and and this team is. You know he this team is pretty good at linebacker here, and I don't know I don't know where he would have wound up, which which is why they went with Taco Charlton over him, uh, because because again it's about fitting the scheme as well. Right. Um, but but yeah, I mean this is this is certainly glaring at this point, and and look it's going to it's going to pivot or or you look at those two and say well the Cowboys screwed this up they could have had him, but you know there are other players there at other positions they could have taken too that that. Uh, you would you would anticipate would have made more of a contribution to this stage than Taco Charlton has done to this point. Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's and that's the issue about Tristan Hill. You know, we've talked about that as well. Uh, there were uh, all kinds of safeties available in the second round. Uh, Juan Thornhill had a wrap, uh, and uh, Juan Thorn- Thornhill is starting at least the last I looked for Kansas City. Um, and that would certainly seem to be a good thing now, but of, but of course they decided that uh, big men are more valuable than safeties in the Cowboys' uh, scheme, and I and I get that, and they are. If you look at the uh, great teams, uh, uh, they they're all built around what they can do in the offensive and defensive line. Uh, and the, the the question is though, if you're going to take one of those guys, you better be right. Uh, they were not right about Taco Charlton, and they. And it, the jury is still out about whether they're right about Tristan Hill, uh, and and we'll we'll see what he does. They certainly can't afford to have two misses like that in such a short period of time, uh, so high in the draft. No, and that's where that's where all of your positive trends start to unravel when that happens. Now, you know, I think we've talked a little bit about this. You're not getting as much out of this draft class as you have the others. And some of that is a tribute to how good you've been in the other draft classes. Right. I mean, you have you know that sprinkled depth across this roster, where with this draft class, it is difficult for them to to find places to step in and, and contribute immediately. Uh, you didn't have a first round pick. Your third round pick, who you thought was going to give you some depth, uh, open season on injured reserve and Connor McGovern. Uh, so so really, I think you're only. It appears at the moment you're only going to get. Uh, Minimal, uh, yet somewhat significant contributions from Tony Pollard, uh, who you took in the fourth round, and uh, I think you know I think Donovan Wilson has a chance uh, to to contribute, especially on special teams uh, as this season goes along. Uh, but you, but you would like to get more. You, you would like to see Hill uh, give you a little something that that he's been unable to give you to this point. 
Yeah, uh, and we'll see whether that's possible. So uh, we we haven't really talked about uh, you know what's going on because you know we're one game at a time here, David. You know we don't we don't look ahead. We're just looking at the game right Jason in front Garrett of us. Is. Yeah, that's right. You uh, and I aren't. Jason Garrett is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we we you looked, and I have a larger worldview. Yeah. Yeah. So we so we know the Dolphins are coming. We know the Dolphins are historically bad. Uh, the rats are all trying to get off that ship, uh, and Minka Fitzpatrick already has. Um, but next week we got the the Saints down in New Orleans. I'll be down there with you. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm going down for that one. Uh, I, I can't miss an opportunity. You love New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. to go to New Orleans. I mean, you seem to wind up in those New Orleans games. I've noticed. I, I I have. You know, there's more good food per capita in New Orleans than any place in America. That's that's my. I'm, I'm sticking with that. No story. question. Uh, that can't even be debated. No, it's just unbelievable how much good food there is down there. I, you know, I, although. After coming back from New Orleans in, uh, when was this, 2000, oh, I don't remember when it was. But anyway, I, I had a heart attack about a week later, David. So uh, I, I'm, I'm blaming all that uh, all that butter and all that food for, yeah. for that heart attack. A correlation can't be dismissed. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. Was, uh, well, so the Saints are missing uh, a quarterback. Uh, at, at this point, has, uh, uh, has Drew Brees had that surgery on his thumb yet? No, but I, I think the indications were it's going to happen either today or tomorrow. But uh, and it appears he'll be out six weeks. Um, but he he is going to have to get it repaired. I mean, there is I can't envision any scenario where he plays against the Cowboys in two weeks. Uh, I think they're looking at at Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, and and so if 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 Drew is out, and let let's say because uh, there's all kinds of speculation about how long he'll be out. He's going to be out six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is. That's a long time, and I was looking at DraftKings, uh, you know, their uh, sports book, and uh, they still had the Saints as a, a better has better odds. They were, you know, the, the Cowboys were at thirteen to one. They were fifth behind the, the Patriots, the uh, Chiefs, the Rams, and the Saints. Uh, if if Drew Brees is going to be out six to eight weeks, I don't know how you can keep their odds that high. Uh, and they, they would go down. Yeah, they they would go down some. I don't think there's any question on that. Yeah, and and, and it just it just seems to me now, now, David. You know, we know how this works. When you when you're going to have a uh, if you're going to make a Super Bowl run, uh, besides having the talent, you got to have some breaks. One of the breaks is that you stay healthy, that you don't lose key key personnel. You know, if the Cowboys were to lose Dak Prescott or to, to lose Zeke Elliott. Uh, or to lose, uh, you know, uh, Van Der Esch or Jalen Smith, then they're going to be, then they're going to struggle, and there's going to be problems. But if those guys all stay healthy, uh, things are starting to set up here a little bit. If, if you're talking about, uh, we don't know what's happening in, in Philadelphia. They've now lost two defensive tackles in two weeks, uh, who are con- key contributors, and Tim Jernigan and Malik Jefferson, uh, or Malik Jackson. Uh, yeah, and then and the uh, receivers are beat up. The yeah. receivers are beat up now, and Carson Wentz was limping around a little bit in that game as well. Um, the Eagles are not looking quite as formidable, I think, as a lot of people thought going into the season. So, so we're if the Cowboys can remain healthy, and of course they've only played the Giants and Washington, uh, and that's not exactly the the cream of the crop. But they've looked very good playing those two teams. You know, you, all you can do is, is play who's in front of you and, uh, and and try to look good while you're doing it. And one of those games is was on the road. Uh, and so it, I, I'm, I'm seeing these uh, these Cowboys' odds of getting to a Super Bowl kind of improve a little bit. Yeah, early season, everything has kind of fallen their way early this season. And, 
And yes, they've had they're dealing with the Gallup injury and Xavier Woods and Antoine Woods, but but that's not to the level of what New Orleans is dealing with or Philadelphia is dealing with or Washington has dealt with with their injuries here. Not that they were going to be, you know, but uh, no. So I, I think when you look at the the top teams in the NFC coming into this season, uh, Dallas. I think Dallas has strengthened the argument that they that they belong among the elite of the NFC this season, while New Orleans has taken a hit with the injury to Breeze. Uh, Philadelphia uh, has taken a hit with its injuries. So, yeah, I think you're if you want to reposition the NFC after a couple of weeks, uh, I think that I think the Cowboys have, have helped themselves more than anybody. But again, this is two out of sixteen weeks, and or seventeen weeks with the bye week, and and you know I look, New Orleans is going to take a hit here, and, and it could put them in a, a difficult spot once he gets back. But I, I will say this: if you're going to suffer a significant injury, it's better to have it early in the season. Yeah. If you're still in the position where you're competitive, and then you get that guy back late, you can really build a momentum where you say, well, look. Uh, Okay, yeah, these three teams in the NFC had a better record than us, but uh, you know we've had Breeze back for these last six weeks, and we have the best record in the NFC over the last six weeks. So who wants to play us right now? So you know it's not, and that's the other thing. You don't want to build your momentum too early in the season either, and then just kind of manage games late. You know we've seen that happen to Dallas before in the thirteen and three years. Uh, both of their last 13 and three years. Uh, you go back and you look at that team when, when Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott were rookies, um, you know, they, they ripped, they lost the opener, then had that long winning streak. And then look at their scores at the end of that season, going into the postseason. Uh, they went from winning games by, uh, you know, 10 points pretty consistently to winning three and five point games. And suddenly their scoring went down from 31 a game down to like 19. Um, and, and they were, you're managing injuries and you're managing situations late in a year when you have it wrapped up. And so I think that can impact the, uh, the momentum and the edge that you've built up over the course of the season. So course management, uh, or, you know, the team management is essential over the course of a season. And, uh, Dallas is off to a great start and it's always better to get off to a great start and build confidence and get a little bit of cushion. And I think Dallas is doing that here. But uh, they're going to be—they're going to have to maintain it over the course of the season. Well, here's the thing, Dave, because you know we uh, we talked about this. You know, I didn't know how much the Cowboys were going to improve in that uh, in those first three games on the schedule because you know they were expected to win all three of those games and that they should win those games. Uh, uh, but we were going to say the Saints would—they would prove something then. That's that's still going to be a, a difficult game to go down in there in New Orleans and beat the Saints. There's no question sure. about that with, with Drew Brees or without. But they should win that game. They should beat the Packers at home the next week. They should beat the Jets then the week after that. And I'm going to say they should beat the uh, the Eagles uh, on October the 20th as well because that game's at home. Uh, they, if you're a contender, you should beat the Eagles at home. You should at least split with the Eagles. So we're talking about – and then the next week is the Giants – uh, and then they get the Vikings at home the next week after that. I don't know how much offense the Vikings have. I don't know how much offense that anybody in the NFC North has these days. You know, 
Uh, everybody was counting the the Bears on being a, a real contender this Very year. Good math. Yeah, and they're and they're not look good. No, they don't look good. They Mitch Trubisky and he's he's not the answer at quarterback. I, I I'm, I'm fascinated how people were really really willing to concede that oh yeah he's ready to take off. Nobody wants to believe in 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 Dak Prescott, but everybody was ready to believe in Mitchell Trubisky, and he's not showing anything. And then you got after that, you got the the Lions on the road, and then you run into the Patriots. You know, the, then at the end of the season, you got some problems there. Uh, you know, clearly the Rams are are playing very well. Uh, they're 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 just uh, taking off where they they left off last year. The Patriots are of of course the the cream of the crop. They're they're just uh, they're they're tremendous. So this is a team, though. I I said eleven and five going into the season. You said eleven and five going into the season. I am now. Officially revising my prediction to thirteen and three. <laughs> wow! It just took two weeks, huh? After two weeks, I'm an easy sell, man. It doesn't take much to, <laughs> to sell me. No, I, it's part of it's that the Cowboys are playing well, and part of it's just that I look around the rest of uh, the NFL. I don't see very many good teams. Well, we talked about last year. You know, I think we've talked about this before. I, I think that you look back on last year. And, and there's kind of there was kind of a disconnect because if you just would have stepped back and just presented these facts and took away the Cowboys' tortured postseason history over the last 23 years since winning the last Super Bowl, if you leave that out of the argument and just say, look, Dallas last year was the second youngest roster, won seven of their last eight games, beat the def- swept the defending Super Bowl champions held New Orleans to 10 points in a victory, won a playoff game against Seattle, and lost on the road to an L.A. Rams team that advanced to the Super Bowl, you would say, second youngest roster, that's a team on the rise. That's a team that's going to be in the mix for the NFC Championship game this year. Right. But I, don't, I, don't, I think people were reluctant and hesitant to do that emotionally because they've seen Cowboy teams have good regular seasons and it doesn't translate into postseason success for the last 24 years. So I I think that probably put an inordinate weight on outside expectations on what this team should be in the NFC this year. I think what these first two games have done with the way this offense has looked has made people go, well, wait a minute. Maybe maybe we should look at them in those those terms because this this offense now looks like it's of this NFL era. You know this this offense has caught up with the trends and, and is doing what other teams in this league are doing offensively. Why shouldn't they be in the mix? So I, I think you're starting to see uh, a glimmer of that uh, hope or anticipation among the fan base that I think just so much scar tissue had been built up through the years that they were reluctant to break through without seeing at least some evidence of what Kellen Moore was going to be as a play caller and, and what this team could do offensively and, and how Dak would look. And, and I mean, my gosh, I don't, even if you were the, the most significant, staunchest supporter of Dak Prescott out there, I don't know how even you would have argued he would have had these first two games open the season. Now, the other side of that is, I mean, he's got to go down from here somewhat, doesn't he? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, his quarterback rating is 142.8 through two games. Uh, you're not going to be able to sustain that through the entire season. 
But talk about a guy who looks so much more decisive, is getting rid of the ball quicker. Now, again, let's see what happens when you have a, uh, a, you know, a couple of games in a row where defenses don't allow you to do that, and, and now the rhythm is gone and you have to struggle and, and do some things. But the other side of that is, haven't we seen that Dak throughout his career where he doesn't look good, where it looks like defenses are really giving him trouble? He doesn't look that sharp for three, three-and-a-half quarters, and then he comes up with the plays in the fourth quarter to win the game. So, I mean, we, we've seen that Dak Prescott. So, so I think when, when defenses, and, and they run into their inevitable uh, uh, challenges and, and uh, missteps along the way like every NFL team does over the course of a season, um, we've seen him perform and excel and rise to the occasion in those situations as well. So this is uh, – this is a huge step forward, I, I think, uh, from what we've seen at least early for Dak Prescott this season. No question about that. Well, David, listen, that's going to do it for our uh, Cowboys podcast. Thanks for coming on. Uh, it'd be great to have you in the studio next week uh, if you can work I that in. I will be in the studio next week. That would be great. Like I said, I just, you know, I just Evan takes all these, you know, again. <laughs> but 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 I do think there is something to be said for like maybe I'll maybe I'll just do it every other week from from the. Uh, the seafood aisle at a at a different restaurant grocer around the uh, around the city. I like it. That's good. That yeah, that's good. As long as you have cell reception, that's all I care about. That's good. <laughs> Thanks, David. Oh, sure thing. Sounds good. See you right, soon. See you. All right, there goes David Moore, uh, and that was our Cowboys podcast. We also had a Rangers podcast with Evan Grant uh, on his way to the airport, and we had a podcast. With Chuck Carlton, uh, somewhere between College Station and Austin, we kind of had him, we kind of didn't have him. When we had him, he was really very good. So you need to make sure that you tune into that one as well uh, because we we love to have our first college podcast in the books. And we're going to do it again next week, and we're going to ramp it up. It's going to be even better. That's the, way we, that's the way we roll here. You know, we make it better every week. So for everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks for coming, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Stars Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.